Hello, I'm Anderson Cowan, and I've got a movie to make. And this is I Got a Movie to Make week 93 of 116 weeks. And today, I'll be doing a little Q&A. Uh, I threw out a uh, question, or I threw out a, uh, I threw out a tweet this morning uh, saying, hey, I would like some questions. Because honestly, while I have been working every single day, that's me patting myself on the back, finding time to carve out uh, to do some actual good work, which... By the way, if I haven't whined and complained enough, if that's how it sounds, it, it very well might sound that way. Here's the deal. Uh, by the time my day's done, when I'm actually allowed to work on, on the film, unfortunately, with the current circumstances as they are, uh, I am pretty beat. I'm pretty tired. And uh, in the past, a lot of time I'm like, look, I got to write some stuff right now. I got to be creative. I got to put my best foot forward with this project. And I just can't even see straight. There's the, there's, there's just no doing that right now uh, because of everything that I, I have going throughout the day with uh, the boy and the wife and, uh, you know, errands and uh, the shows and, you know, everything else. So this does get backburner treatment, which sucks. But uh, this last week, I have been working on it every single day. I've carved out at least 45 minutes where I've done research. So there's been a lot of writing and reading uh, going on. Not a whole lot of excitement to uh, <laughs> to report back on. But I do have some cool questions, some fun questions. And they uh, so thank you very much to everyone who uh, gave me a question. I might do this again, uh, depending you know if I have another week where I don't have a whole lot of uh, exciting news to report back. Uh, so here we go. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. At David, the David on Twitter. Uh, here's a question. With the Oscars, I've always wondered how they judge what makes something the best director, quote unquote. How the, now that you've directed, what would you stay? Uh, what, what would stand out to make you say a film was particularly well directed? Uh, it is a funny question and it is a funny um, category. I mean, all, all you know, awards are, are kind of uh, funny and uh, a little absurd. But uh, for me, I've always thought that uh, directing namely had to do with working with the actors and getting the performance you want out of an actor. So uh, what I will notice, and anyone can see this if they, if they watch the movies, watch a, watch an, a well-known actor. I'm not going to name names here, name names here, but watch a well-known actor in a, uh, you know, a particular type of movie with a certain director who has a certain um, reputation, bad and then see that same actor working with another director that has a good reputation and see the difference in performance, see the nuances, see the, how, how that actor almost can become a different person when uh, guided. Cause I mean, it's, it's almost like being, it is like being a coach uh, on a, on a sports team, but and you, and you, different coaches get different things out of different players. So uh, it really has to do with, with actors. And a lot of the time, uh, if an actor is weak, I mean, a director is weak, an actor will kind of do their own thing. And sometimes that really works. And sometimes it doesn't at all. And sometimes it seems like that actor is in a different movie than everyone else. And I do see that quite often. And, uh, I think that's a sign of a good director. The director really has final say over every single thing, uh, that you see before you or hear before you, uh, every single edit can be controlled, said one way or another, uh, by the director at certain points. Obviously, if you're looking at a studio movie, if you're like watching the last star Wars, I mean, all this goes out the window because Mickey's got such a hand in that and the big studios still have a huge hand in a lot of things but uh they're directing with the actors first and foremost as far as i'm concerned and then also uh, i've heard tone management uh be thrown around and i couldn't agree with that more like you got to be able to manage the tone uh, what your the theme that with your genre that you're working with and uh if you're asking 
uh, your audience to be serious and take something serious and really, you know, invest uh, their emotions in something. And then you want to be funny the very next minute. You better you better walk that line uh, appropriately and carefully because uh, jarring tonal shifts will uh, disrail your movie. And and, uh, that's up to the director as well. But, yeah. If you have a really, there's some directors, and, and I will name names uh, because I like to point to Joel Schumacher as an example. Like that guy, re- he was very successful. He made some movies that I absolutely love, but uh, he didn't really have a style. And you got the sense that he really trusted his crew and the, his heads of department to be able to do their jobs accordingly. And that can be a very effective director as well. I would imagine that a lot of TV directors who uh, come sit in on on you know well established series um show television programs they just trust the heads of department to do what they're supposed to do and they probably just work you know i have never worked in tv but i would imagine that that's how it goes so you got to trust your your heads of department to an extent collaborate it's all about collaboration but knowing being decisive too um is a big one and anyone who works in the pro in the business will tell you that they want a director who knows what they want. So the worst thing you can be as a director is uh, indecisive and uh, unsure of what your vision is or what you're trying to achieve. Hope that answered your question. Shut your mouth or at David, the David, I like that you're David, the David, uh, I've seen you uh, tweet before at David, the David. All right. Tommy Jarvis, at 2600 pixels writes what would you do differently with groupers if given a second shot either creatively or with a funding process fundraising process uh tommy that's an easy question because i've thought about it quite a bit and if i can go back and do it all again i would probably i would make it 90 minutes or less if at all possible with the current story, which I know that the way I shot it, there's really no way to make a 90 minute movie out of that because there's so many different things that had to be shown and, and, and said because of all the different perspectives that I have uh, with the movie. But I think it probably would have involved maybe cutting one of the storylines entirely and um, just uh, reworking the script so that I'm, I, I could have the same kind of tone. There's that tone again, some kind of comedy and, uh, messages but without the 100 and the the hour and 49 runtime because i i should have realized this but i really wasn't i was just putting my head down and working hard as a lot of you know because you you heard me along the process but it it, it's pretty common it's common sense that if you have no names or faces in your movie and you're a first-time director writer uh you have no business making a movie that's longer than 90 minutes especially if it's a comedy uh it's it would have done, I think, more business uh, with festivals, for sure. I think it would have gotten maybe more recognition, and I think it would have been more palatable. I, I, I'm, I'm, as somebody who watches movies and reports back on them for a living, uh, I, I understand looking at a runtime, and a lot of the time, I, I hate to say this, but the first thing that I look at when uh, it's a movie that I got to watch is the runtime before anything else, <laughs> before the poster. I'm just, my eyes are scanning, looking for that runtime. How much time am I, do I have to invest in this thing so I can talk about it? And uh, I, I'm sure that I didn't, you know, start off on the right foot with a lot of uh, critics and uh, festivals because of that 90 minutes. So I've, I've done consulting and I've talked to uh, first-time directors since my my uh, little journey there. And uh, one of the first things that I always tell them is try and bring it in under 90 minutes or less because that'll do uh, do you a, a lot of good. Plus, you know, a movie that's 90 minutes or less feels more brisk and uh, will kind of, you know, go, um, fly by, which is always uh, what you want your, your viewer. You want your viewer to 
not realize that it's over until it's over and be like, Oh my God, it's already over. Like that's a good sign. Like I, every time I see a movie and it's like over before I realized that it was even time, the last thing you want them doing is watching their, their watch. However, groupers was, um, told in such a way that you could not predict when it was going to end necessarily because you couldn't tell when the first act ended and the second act began because there is that formula. And I definitely wanted to stay steer clear of the formula. Uh, speaking of which, Going on to the next question, Chicago Bears cap guru at Cody Main on Twitter. These are all on Twitter, so I should stop saying that because it's redundant. But uh, he asks, what part of filmmaking process what part of the filmmaking process fascinates you most? Editing? Nope. Photography? Nah. Production design, etc. Uh, I love the photography part of it. I'm a visual person and I, I ironically I, I spent all that time with in radio, which I was never very good at and never really loved the actual technical side of the audio. Because uh, I just I don't have an ear for things. I don't really care for the sound of things. I, I'm much more. I'm totally visual, visual guy. Uh, so yeah, I love coming up with shots for sure, and, and, and working with the DP. Even if it was Mickey, who was a real pain in the ass to work with. Love him. He's one of my best friends. But wow, uh, still the, the, the jury's still out as to whether or not uh, we'll be working together on the next one. I'm still not sure. Anyhow, uh, as far as my favorite part of the filmmaking process is probably casting. Um, I, I spend so much time with these characters writing them and, and, uh, it sounds douchey, but it's, you know, the story, like where the, these characters go and what they do. And then when I can actually put a face onto a character with an actual live human being and I could start to explain and I can explain the character and I'm, I'm only speaking on my experience with, you know, making groupers obviously. And then all the shorts that I made before that going back to, you know, 2001 was when I made my first short and cast my first short, and Travis Stanberry is the first guy that I ever uh, cast, and he, I got him to play Hank in uh, Groupers um, so many years later. So that was a thrill. But it really starts to come to life, for lack of a better term, and, and seeing a character that I'm so familiar with, but all of a sudden, they're an actual like 3D human being in front of me that I can communicate with. It's, it's pretty, pretty magical. For lack of a better term, it's pretty goddamn great. I gotta say, I I love it. I love it, especially when uh, they and this happens when the actor that I cast uh, is better than the character that I created, and uh, because it's something they 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 possess something that I didn't think of, or you know, obviously couldn't have thought of because I had never. Unless you're writing for a particular actor, which I might have done with this last one, as some of you may know. All right, moving on. David Alfonso uh, at Blue Sun 2 on Twitter. I got to stop saying Twitter. Um, how do you, how do other low budget filmmakers get funding or the $1 million movies? Where do the funds for those come from? That's a very good question, David Alfonso. Uh, and it's not one that, um, as far as crowdfunding, it, it was the end all be all for me for the first one, because I had an audience and a lot of you knew that I wanted to make a movie and had ideas and you, a lot of you had an idea of what my taste in movies were and a lot of you took a chance and uh, helped me out. And uh, it was really fun, you know, coming up with the different perks and, and working with uh, the coach, uh, the fundraising coach and whatnot. And, I, and all along the way, I remember numerous times thinking, thank God I have this audience because I know a lot of people crowdfund out of the effing blue and they don't have an audience. And I have no idea how that goes unless it's a real niche that you're working on. You got a a real niche. Like if if you're making a documentary about hot rods or uh, a documentary about hiking or something, you know what I mean? Uh, I did learn a lot about uh, crowdfunding and and, uh, ways to go about it. uh, If I didn't have an audience and that is what I just told you about, which is niches, which I think I might have 
myself, Anish, uh, moving forward with this one, because this one's continuing to develop and it was always right there. I mean, I was writing these characters with, uh, a, uh, with, a, with an absolute love and admiration for these characters for, from my own relationships that I've had with them in my life. And, uh, and it never occurred to me that, um, I didn't allow it to occur to me, I guess that I could see that use that to help get the project off the ground because I I'm bad at business and I hate the idea of anything that seems like exploitation. And, uh, I have to get myself out of that because it's not exploitation. If you're helping normalize things or give people opportunities or working and I'm not, and it might sound like I'm rationalizing and I guess maybe I am, but I don't think so because okay, here I'm giving, and I don't know if I'm speaking in riddles here, but if I had no, uh, attachment, uh, personal attachment and emotional attachment, um, to a certain population. And then I wrote, I sat down to write a script knowing that the end game was to get funded because I was writing that subject. Then I would, well, first of all, I would never ever be able to do that. Cause that's not who I am. And second of all, I'd be a piece of ass. I mean, that's, I, I, I've been with this project, uh, movie for vengeance for a long, long time. And, uh, it just recently, uh, kind of occurred to me that, uh, it's, it's, because of certain uh, characters, I, there there may be an avenue to um, to funding that I had never thought of before. It never even occurred to me. So, all right, yeah. There's, uh, but back to the funding. How how do you get funded beyond crowdfunding? Uh, there's there's grants which uh, I've talked a little bit about. There's a lot of grants which uh, I've been working on uh, over the last week and re- reading about and writing and and working towards that. There's uh, tax incentives, which is a big thing. Uh, which I am also reading about and working on. And that's like, if you go to Georgia, you see at the end of a lot of movies that are like, this film was made in Georgia and you actually get tax incentives that actually help fund the movie. Uh, once the movie's shot, uh, there's something called pre-sales, which is kind of a thing of the past, especially if you're a really low budget movie with no names or faces. When I say names or faces, for those of you who might not know what I'm saying, um, that's like actors that you, um, recognize or, names that you recognize, which are, you know, obviously, you know, higher box office potential than faces that you recognize. But uh, having one or both of those really, really helps. Uh, another thing, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack for a second here. Another thing that uh, a lot of smaller budgeted films do, which a lot of people have asked me if I would have wanted to do uh, now that I've been through it, and that is allocate like $10,000 for a day player, uh, a day face or name. Like, so I could have probably, probably got like Eric Roberts or maybe Mickey Rourke to come on, on the set of groupers and, um, do, uh, you know, a few pages for me. And then I could say, Hey, when shopping the movie, Hey, Mickey Rourke's in my movie. I, I realized that at the time of, um, fundraising and writing and the whole process, I, I, I knew that that was a, uh, a strategy that some people use. There is just no, and I, and, and, and my, I wasn't too good for it. I, there was just never um, a character that I would have wanted to do that with. Uh, th- there was no character that just had a little cameo. It just, it, and maybe I, maybe I do think I'm, cause that is a little bit corny, a little cheesy, especially if you put that, that actor on the, on the uh, poster, I believe there are some rules now. Like if your actor is only in one scene for like three minutes, you're not allowed to like, you know, have them be the only person on the poster. There are some rules, but 
that is something that people do and it does help um, but it wouldn't help with pre-sales necessarily and pre-sales is what some something that used to happen a lot more often than it does now to my understanding and that is like you go out to uh, various uh, distributors and you get them to uh, pay you for what they th- up front to help you make the movie for what they think uh, your movie is going to be able to do um, internationally and, and domestically and so it's almost like a guarantee um, but you don't really see that very, very often. There's also financing where you can actually go to a bank and say, look, I got this actor involved and uh, I have this, I, I've made this before, a movie before, and I made this amount of money. Will you give me uh, financing? And sometimes you have to have a bunch of collateral. Other times you don't. And then there's private investors who will take points or, you know, a percentage of the movie. And, um, obviously, I mean, product placement, which is another thing that you could do, which I've never I haven't, I haven't, uh, allowed myself to go down. I'm not quite there yet, but there is a, I'm not, I'm not above it. Like if the only way that I could make my movie is Cheerios had to be somewhere in the frame for 60% of the movie, I would make a movie where, you know, there's a kid who just wears a robot suit and he's wearing made of Cheerio boxes. Like I would, and he would just like, he was a quirky kid and he's just always around like hanging out in the background. I would do that if I had to. Not above it. I'm just not there yet. So thank you very much for the question, David Alfonso. Moving on. What are, uh, this is a second to last question. What are some aspects you look for in an idea that would make it a good candidate for a movie or a short? Says uh, Solova Lobos at Tiny Gear 20 on Twitter. I did it again. Uh, I don't know. I'm always, you know, I, that's a great question and I have no idea how to answer it because uh, I have so, oh, I have so many ideas. No, I have a bunch of ideas all the time. I think all of us do. We always have ideas, but it's really rare that I'm like, I like that idea and I think it can be expanded on uh, and uh, I'm going to do something with that. And every time that I've done that, it's because I felt like I've never seen that story before and it's an, a unique story that I have I've never seen before and uh, it doesn't follow the mold of every all a uh, bunch of movies that I've, I've already seen uh, I'll tell you this a movie for vengeance while the characters are fairly unique as far as I can tell from the movies that I have seen in my life uh, the story structure is much more formulaic than anything I've ever written before and I didn't set out to do it I wasn't following the tenets of uh, you know there's a lot of uh, um, people out there that you can take their classes and pay them and, and master classes and whatnot. And they'll tell you to write a script with the same um, benchmarks that you'll find in my, my movie for vengeance. And that's, I think because a good story is, is told in such a fashion. I didn't realize it until, you know, the second or third rewrite. I'm like, Oh my God, this is the formula where like, you know, at the end of the first act, you, you know what the character wants, you know what they're looking for. The lead character in my case, in this case, two, two lead characters. And then by the end of the second act, all is lost, and the, the characters are farther away than from achieving their goals than ever than you'll ever see in any other part of the movie. And then the third act is where they actually overcome the odds and 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 beat the odds, and uh, they become uh, victorious. They uh, they they win, and then you have a little denouement, which is the uh, the end part after the climax. I have a climax and everything, and I didn't I. Perhaps on some kind of um, subconscious level, I was just writing 
I, I think I told you, and bears repeating, like I wrote this as an apology for my mom because it's embarrassing to say this, but my grammar is awful. I, I have learning disabilities and I, I still don't know where, you know, commas go. I'm, you should see me trying to like write something to somebody who I um, have respect for, a lot of respect for, and I'm afraid they're going to judge me because I've been judged so much on my uh, poor, poor grammar that I'll, I'll put a comma, I'll erase a comma, I will re-engineer an entire sentence so that I can avoid using commas because I'm not sure if the comma should be there. Uh, you can see it in some of the titles and some of the writing that I do for postings for, for not cinematics. I've, I've sourced that out to Greg. I've asked Greg to please do the postings for cinematics. Cause I, it's, it's, I'm awful at it. So I'd have my mom. <laughs> yes. My mom, uh, my mommy would, um, she would read my script. She's read every script I've written and she's just read it for punctuation purposes and spelling purposes. Uh, spelling, not so much these days because of the, uh, uh, you know, the spell the spelling checks on the computers and whatnot. But I, I don't trust the grammar checks, uh, cause they don't work that well. So she, I had her read, uh, Battle of Skunk Skull, which is still a, uh, a dream of mine to make, uh, but it, it has some pretty intense, um, grisly stuff. And she, she got back to me like, you know, a few days after I gave it to her to, to, to proofread. And she goes, um, she had some choice words for me. They, 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 she wasn't scolding me, but she, I could tell that she was not real pleased that these, some of these things came out of her son's mind. And I said, sorry, mom, one of these days I'll have you read something that's pretty tame. And I, I decided, you know what? Now's a good time. It was before Atticus was born. I said, I'm just going to pound it out and I'm going to give her this, this uh, screenplay that I, it's just a fantasy, uh, a fantasy a nightmare fantasy of my future, what it would look like, uh, what it might look like if I never make a movie and it'll be working for somebody else. And I'll, I'll be close to a retirement age and I will hate the person that I'm working for. That's a guarantee. I always, the boss is always evil uh, in my head anyways. And, uh, I got problems and, uh, and I, I just banged this out in like very, very short time. I, I think it took me maybe 10 days to shoot, uh, to, to write this thing, uh, you know, working on it a couple hours a day. And I sent her the first draft to spell check, to grammar check, and uh, and she was very very happy to um, to have something nice, somewhat nice, come out of out of her son's brain. Uh, however, I did start it. For those of you who have not read it, I, it starts with a um, a very inappropriate sex joke, uh, which I've been told to eliminate for purposes of you know passing it around, trying to get funding and whatnot, because it is fairly offensive. So that was my own little like. My little little inside joke to my mom, which stuck because I really think I like opening up with the inappropriate sex joke. But I'm sure that her, you know the very first thing she reads is about a a sex act called a bunky bucking bronco, and I'm sure she's like, "Oh God, here we go again." My son, my mom, and I have a funny relationship. Anyway, so that's that's that. Final question. Oh, what? So yes. So 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 lava. Uh, unique. I, I just I, the last thing I ever want to do is make a cheap imitation of something that's already been done before. And I think you know, say what you want about everything I've made, uh, it's all unique. It's never there's stories you have never seen before. And as a result, you have a hard time. You know, um, that was the one positive that I continue to get from groupers, even from people that did that, that didn't like it. They said that they had no idea where it was going or how it was going to end up, which I take as a huge compliment because most movies, if you try, you have a pretty good idea where they're going. And then uh, the finally, the couple joke questions, Tootie and the Blowfish at Good Syrup. I'm not saying it's on Twitter because we all know. Uh, what does Mike Mike's car smell like? I have a terrible uh, sense of smell, but it seems like it smells fine. But I have a hard time smelling anything. And then finally, uh, final question, literally stiff and figuratively compliant uh, from at... The bicycle zone. 
uh, question mark, what is tweet? And, uh, I guess this is tweet. Hey, I'm using twit, tweet, twatter, twit it for something good, I guess. Oh, I think this was good. I think it was fun. All right. Thank you very much for the questions. Uh, I really appreciate it. It kind of got me out of a jam because I didn't want to talk about things that I've written this week or things that I've read. Honestly, it would have been really, really dull. I had not a whole lot to uh, to offer um, the updates. So thanks very much to everyone who reached out. Reach- it's hard being me because things like that, like saying reached out, which it makes sense. It's easy to say, right? And that's what people did uh, by giving me questions. They reached back out after I, uh, I called for questions. But every time I say reached out, like I get, I get, I get cringes because I feel like I hate it. I hate, but it's said so often by everyone because it makes sense and it's easy to say, but I don't allow myself to say things like that. And then it makes uh, saying things hard, but thanks for reaching out. Uh, like I literally, I get like a physical reaction. Thank you very much for reaching out, though. I got to get pushed through. I got to push through, so it's okay. Um, more stuff to come. I I, I am more uh, excited and optimistic about this project than I ever have been before. Much beyond who's casting it, as far as names and faces. Once again, even though you know I was very very uh, headstrong about having a certain actor, I don't know if that's if he's even age appropriate anymore. Uh, but as far as what I could do with this movie and other aspects, very excited, very excited. Okay. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye.